0: Good morning. Delighted you're all here today on this first Sunday of 2024, worshiping together, sharing together. And as we're doing that, we're going to introduce, as I mentioned last week, a new series, Christ in the Chaos because there are things happening in our world that we want to look at and have as clear a biblical view as we can as we go through what's coming down the pike for us in our world. One, to be reminded that we have been selected by God to live in this time and this season. And in this place. And that is an honor and a glory that we absolutely should celebrate our relationship with Christ and be willing and very intentional about sharing that with others as well. So the message today is the why, the what, and the who. That's actually backwards from how it ought to be, but that is typically how it is. When something occurs, for most people, the first question is, well, why? Rather than the who, and we'll get to that. So in prepping for this series that we're beginning today, I thought, where can we look better to find a biblical character to demonstrate this for us, because here's what we're told by Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Now, this is for you to figure out where you are Uh For me, I, I, I've studied for over 50 years. I can't tell you, and I have studied Scripture, and I've studied all the views, All I know is Jesus is coming back. And it is truly my delight to know that I know him. So if he comes back today, I'm ready. If he comes back tomorrow, I'm ready. If he doesn't come back before I die, I'm ready. It's his time, his call, his way. But to know that according to the Apostle Paul... No matter what your view is on eschatology, there are going to be some difficult things. I'm going to spend some more time next week kind of breaking that out in a little more pneumatical, practical ways. But today I want to go to a character in the Bible that helps us, I believe, biblically prepare for the days we're in. Let's do a quick survey. If you were thinking about all the characters in the Bible who've gone through difficulty, who's the one who comes to mind the quickest? Look at you guys, Bible scholars throughout. <laughs> Guess what? Here we are, Job chapter 1. It is a blessing to hear all of you say that, because we're going to look at this guy who lived in the land of Uz. We don't know anybody who knows where that is, but he lived in the land of us. And if you read those first verses where it says, His possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. And this man was the greatest man in the East, and he had seven sons and three daughters. Now, for those who may not know about this particular time in history, your wealth was not determined by what you had in the bank. It was what you had on the land. And so on the land, Job was an amazingly wealthy guy. He had it all. But this guy was an incredible man of God. And see, I want to use Job because you have to remember, I'm going to remind you, that Job lived pre-crucifixion and pre-Pentecost. What does that mean? That means that he dealt with the life that he was handed and the circumstances that he encountered without Christ having come and died and buried and rose again and without the Holy Spirit having been given. So for us, we already know we're in a better place because we're on this side of the cross and we're on this side of Pentecost and so we have the Holy Spirit living within us and so we are at a better place. But let's look at how this man Job took care of life. As I mentioned, he had seven sons and three daughters. Well, his kids would get together and celebrate each other's birthdays. And the day after they had that celebration, here's what Job would do. He would get up early in the morning. He would offer a burnt offering to God according to the number of his kids And he would say this, Perhaps my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And Job did this continually. Great guy, right? Well, again, let's familiarize some of you and introduce some of you to the fact that in this particular time in history, there was something that would take place in heaven. And it says, Now, The day was when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came among them. Now, that doesn't work for us because we think, no, 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 God, you know, he threw him out of heaven. But somehow there's this relationship that goes on and Satan is there when the sons of God gather and God says to him, what you been up to? Well, he says, I've been roaming about on the earth, walking around it. Now, God knows what he's talking about because the next thing that God says to Satan is this Have you considered my servant Job? In other words, he knew that Satan was on the earth doing what he could to disrupt humanity any way he could, and he didn't care what he did, who it was. He didn't care. Destruction, steal, kill, and destroy. That's his method of operation. It's always been, will always be. Satan responds, Oh, your servant Job, yeah, he's a righteous guy. Yeah, he, he says he loves you. But look what you've done for him. He's got all this stuff and all that. You protect him. You protect him from everything. That's why he's so blessed as he is. So guys, I'll tell you what. I believe in Job. I believe that Job is a man that loves me, will serve me, and it is not based on what he has or doesn't have. So here's what you can do. Have at him. Only, you can't touch his body. You can have at it. So let's pause here and get current today and ask if anyone here has ever said or heard, I just can't get a break. If you've said that or heard that, please listen up. On the day that Job's sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen are plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans attacked and took them. And they slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped. All the donkeys, all the oxen, gone. And then, while that one was still speaking, another one comes and says, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. You know the stuff that we're so all caught up about? Job was watching his literally be destroyed. While that one was still speaking, another one came and said, The the Chaldeans formed three bands and made a raid on the camels and took them and slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While that one was still speaking, another one comes and says, your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in your eldest brother's house, eldest son's house, and behold, a great wind came from across the wilderness, struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they died. And I alone have escaped to tell you. So a question. What's he got left? He has two things left. What is it? His life. Oh, I'm sorry. What somebody said? Wife. Wife. Thank you. There you go. His wife and his life. That's what he's got left. Satan's back in heaven. What you been up to? Roaming the earth, look for somebody to mess with. Well, what about my servant Job? Oh, yeah, I messed with him, but he still hasn't surrendered because you won't let me touch his body, skin for skin. Let me touch his body. He'll quit. He'll give up. He'll curse you. God said, okay, have at it. So Satan inflicted him with boils from the top of his head to the soles of his feet, And Job shaved off his head, his hair, put on sackcloth, and sat down in the ashes and took a piece of pottery and began to scrape the pus out of the boils on his body. That's when his wife says, Why don't you just curse God and die? His response was, Can we only accept good things from God can we enjoy the benefits of what it is to have a relationship with God but when something difficult comes that's when we turn tail and run that's when we deny our God that's when we just throw up our hands and quit well let me ask the question here today how do we respond to adversity and difficulty How do we respond? Because this man's facing loss of everything, including family and even health. And he says, I am not going to deny or abandon my God. Typically, at least it's been my experience and sadly my own personal experience at times when something would happen. And the first thing out of my mouth would be, why? And so we began the premise with the book of Job, thinking that somewhere in this book, God is going to take his time to explain to us what this is all about. He's going to take his time to rationalize or to defend himself. Because we have this belief that God owes us an explanation. Can I shatter that for you today? No, he does not. He can, and often he does, but he is not obligated to do that. In fact, this verse is one that comes to mind that the Apostle Paul wrote. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Who's he talking about? He's talking about those of us who know him and who love him. Remember Job's wife? Here is a man of God who is reacting and responding to extreme circumstances, And his wife isn't there to help him, but instead to condemn him. Well, guess what? It doesn't get better for Job because the word goes out that Job has gone through such terrible tragedy. And three of his friends make the pilgrimage to come and sit down and to mourn with Job. In fact, they literally come and sit there for seven days in the ashes and say nothing. But when they start talking, they start talking from a premise and a bias that we have today. That if anybody goes through something bad, it's because they have done something bad. True or false? Somebody's going through some difficult. I wonder what they did. In fact, they, they can't find anything because Job continues to deny that he's done anything. They actually start making up scenarios of you could have done this or you could have done this. You could have done... And this conversation goes on for chapters. And Job continues to deny that he's done any wrong. Now, remember, a couple things for us one is we believe somehow that God 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 sovereign and supreme should and is required to give us an explanation for everything and anything we go through and that is simply not true secondly we tend to operate from this position that if somebody goes through something that is bad it's because they've done something bad Again, not true. So, Romans 8, 28. If God is sovereign, as we're looking at now these days of difficulty in our world, and we're seeing them, and because of media, we can see them much more quickly and much more in abundance, and we can look at all that and say, Okay, God... I know you're still God. I know you're supreme. I know you're working. And I know you can take all this mess that's going on and turn it for good for those who love you and those who call according to your purpose. Now, that's the truth of the word of God. Well, as I mentioned, Job's friends didn't see it that way. Remember, Job is still... Honoring God. But with his wife and with his friends and with his circumstances, he does kind of get to a breaking point. And so, these chapters in the latter part of the book of Job, he starts questioning God. And so now the conversation is no longer between Job and his friends, but between Job and God. And in this conversation, God just shows up and says, who the heck do you think you are, Job? You ever had God do that to you? When our daughter Brownlee was diagnosed with leukemia at age 19, and I was standing in the hallway having just talked to the doctor face to face, at the oncology department at the Baptist Hospital in Columbia I'm standing there literally by myself and I said to God this is again not out loud but I'm in prayer why us God wrong question Steve because the reply came back why not you Of us are the exceptions to the works of God of difficulty and trial. Who of us as Job says excuse me? Who of us, as Job says, has the right to complain? and gripe and whine like a baby when things start going the way we don't want them to go which is what it really amounts to the apostle Paul said in Philippians (coughs) his greatest desire was to know his Christ and the power of his resurrection don't we all and to know his Christ in the fellowship of his suffering and even be conformed to his death. That's what Paul said. Paul Paul got it. The question for us today is do we get it? Do we understand it? We, do we appreciate what God is up to, what God is doing? After God goes through this Explanation, as it were, to Job of who he is, and ask Job these questions Well, where were you when I made the world? Where were you when I did this? Where were you? In other words, who are you? Why do you think you have some right to question why I'm doing what I'm doing? So now, excuse me, now Job moves to, he's past the why, and he's getting to the what. And most importantly, he's getting to the who, and who is God. And the God who is, again, not required to give us an explanation for what he does, or how he does it. So Job says this, I know that you can do all things. And that no purpose of yours can be dwarfed. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, he says, I have declared that which I did not understand. The whole thing is changing for Job. Things he says too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Words, he he was doing what he knew like many of us are doing what we know but god has this incredible heart and desire for us to get to a different place a deeper place not just cruising along on the surface but really diving deep with him and what that life is supposed to be here now i will speak i will ask you and you will instruct me he says I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, and now I see you. That is, that's the miracle for all of us. That we've heard of him, we've read his word, we've heard his word, we know of him. But to know him is what Job says I know you now in a way that I didn't even know was even fathomable before this. And so I repent. In just a little bit, before we close the service, we're going to have communion. And I would encourage every one of us, every one of us, to take some time with the Holy Spirit and ask if there's something that we need to repent of. Before we take communion, what does it mean to repent? It means to say, God, you're right, I'm wrong. That's a confession. But also, I am not just going to say it. I'm going to do something about it. I heard this week, the scripture in James that we use all the time about, you know, someone being doers of the word, not hearers only. And what does it mean to look into the mirror and, and walk away and forget what you look like? I love this guy's illustration. He says, it's like looking in the mirror and and you smile and you realize you got spinach in your teeth. And you walk away and you don't do anything about it. And every time you smile, everybody sees the spinach in your teeth. Well, that's kind of how we are spiritually. The word of God is the mirror. We look in the mirror and God shows us what's there. And we just say, well... <coughs> not really so bad it's just spinach or it's just sin it's just my sin which of course is never as great as somebody else's sin man Job got it he not only got it he did something about it and here's what he did this is you gotta get this The Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends. The guys who were giving him down the road, the guys who were trying to work up scenarios of how he had sinned against God, causing his demise, as it were. And the repentance of Job brings him to the place of intercession for his friends. I hope you get that. Those who have spoken ill of you, those who have done wrong to you, God is calling you to repentance so that you can be the one who intercedes on their behalf. And then it says, and God restored to Job all that he had, double except for kids I've thought about this and so this is Steve translation I could be wrong his wife's already had 10 kids right God gives her 10 more I've been in the birthing room payback I could be wrong. But God, demonstrating to the world that he is not required or obligated to give an explanation of what he does and why he does it. But let me say this to us as I close this portion of the service. How many in this room have been helped by having read or heard the story of Job? How many years ago was that? Had Job just lived his life with all his stuff and all his kids and nothing had ever happened, nobody here would probably know anything about Job. But because of what he went through and because of how he responded to it, here we are thousands of years later, not only hearing of Job, but being blessed and benefited by how he responded. So the why? Take it off. The what? God, what are you up to? The who? It's you, God. And I bow to you. I yield to you. I surrender to you. And Whatever you want to do, that's what I will do. So let's just be quiet for a moment. Everybody's busy, busy, I get it. But just for a moment, be quiet and ask the Holy Spirit as we get ready and our couples are going to uh, serve the Lord's Supper, if you'll go ahead and be uh, to your stations as I do this prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal anything that is needful for confession and repentance. Doesn't matter what it is. Do not be presumptive. Say, well, he must be talking to somebody else. Well, listen to the Holy Spirit and what he has to say, because that's what's important. And so, God, as we celebrate today, your death, Lord Christ, the giving of your body and your blood, that provides for us the covering covering of our sin, we absolutely, absolutely, absolutely thank you, thank you, thank you for this incredible joy and privilege. And God, we bow to you. And in this room today, people are going through all sorts of difficulties and trials, and we know that. And not every one of them has an explanation that would be satisfactory to us. But, oh, Lord, if we can just simply come to you and yield to you and listen to you and know that we do have this incredible presence of you, Holy Spirit, in our lives to handle our circumstances, to give us peace and joy in the midst of all them, In a way that this world cannot even grasp or understand. Oh God, help us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.